Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Schulich Pediatric Interest Group podcast. I'm Jillian. And I'm Megan. And today we are joined by Dr. Andrea Enns. Dr. Enns, would you like to introduce yourself and your specialty? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. My name is Andrea Enns, and I am a pediatric endocrinologist, and I work at the Children's Hospital here in London. So why did you choose pediatrics and why pediatric endocrinology specifically? Yeah, I think some people have very clear plans when they enter med school, and I certainly didn't. It was rather meandering course to choose both pediatrics and endocrinology, and maybe that speaks to my own, just really wanting to be sure um, and not make the wrong choice. You know, when I started med school, I think I was thinking kind of primary care. Um, and then I found myself being interested in potentially gynecology, um, but quickly learned that I did not want to be a surgeon. Um, my clerkship, I had surgery and then OB-GYN. And so peds followed right after, uh, and I really liked it. And I wasn't sure if I just liked it because in contrast to uh, surgery or if I really liked it, I think, you know, I've always done a lot of kind of teaching and coaching and things like that with kids. So it kind of felt natural, but I wasn't sure if I was interested in it for the right reasons. Um, but because my alternative was primary care, I did feel like I had a little bit of leeway to explore that in some of my electives. Um, and I recognize not everybody has that. Uh, so that was kind of nice. So I think it was really during my elective time that I realized I really wanted to be a pediatrician. And actually writing my personal letters was very helpful in, um, in really figuring out what I wanted to do, which I, you know, I think people kind of hate that process of writing them, but ultimately I think it was helpful for me. I actually didn't decide to do pediatrics till rank day. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It was a very last minute choice. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. And then endocrinology, I decided I hadn't done any endo at all during med school. Um, and it was a core rotation for us in second year. So I didn't do it till second year. And I really thought I was gonna do gen peds. Um, I think along the way, I saw some very interesting cases. I remember uh, Addison's case that presented to peds emerge. And I was like, oh, this is fascinating. I remember a new hypoglycemic baby in the NICU who ended up having multiple pituitary hormone deficiencies. And I was like, this is awesome. And so I kind of had a few things that really got me thinking about endo. And when I reached endo, I was kind of like, oh, I'm here. You know, this is it. I really love it. But even then I had trouble committing. Um, and I ended up at the time doing a fourth year, which now everybody's gonna be doing a fourth year, but um, you know, it was relatively rare to do a fourth year at that time, but I just really needed some more time to figure out what I wanted to do. I think one thing I was a little bit reluctant about in choosing a subspecialty was um, thinking about where I was gonna live um, and how that would work for my family. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm fortunate to be here in London, Ontario. I'm from Ontario. My husband's from near here. And so it worked out really nicely, but I wanted to have that option to do some gen peds. Um, you know, if, if 
a job close to my family didn't come up. So it was kind of tricky balancing those things. And I actually worked in the community doing just pizza and dough though, um, I think for a few years before I ended up, this posting came up and I moved here. Is it also limited um, for, I'm assuming endocrinology is like a fellowship kind of training? Yeah, exactly. So in terms of training, so I did my four years of gen peds in Halifax, which I loved. It was fabulous. And then I came to sick kids and I did my two-year core clinical fellowship. And then I followed that with a, a third research year. Um, in my second and third year of that three-year fellowship, I did a master's in, under, in education, pardon me, um, during that time. So kind of ended up being seven years of post-grad and throw in a few maternity leaves and ended up being a bit longer than that. That's wonderful. Um, so you kind of talked about this a bit, but would you mind sharing with us your educational path to entering pediatric endocrinology, kind of starting with your undergraduate degree and where you went from there? Yeah, so I did pretty much as, as pretty straightforward, actually, just in my under my general bachelor of science. And then I came and did my four years of med school actually here at Western. And then I did my four years of general pediatrics at Dalhousie. And it was awesome to do, to go to a different place. It was really a great time in my life to do that, to live in a different city, to work with different people. Um, and I, I really value that experience. I'm super glad we went. I remember I couples matched. I remember when we couples matched, everyone was like, oh, you got Halifax. And I was like, no, no, we are very excited to go to Halifax. And, and I loved maybe not every minute of it, but I, I loved it. Um, it was great. And then, um, and then, as I said, we moved back to Toronto um, and I, you kind of sign in to do two years of your clinical fellowship. Um, trying to remember how the process works. I think in my second year, I had to declare that I wanted to do a third year and then you have to look for funding and we're fortunate in endocrine. I'm not sure how other subspecialties work, but we have our Canadian pediatric endocrine group um, and they really do help to try and fund that third year of training. And so you have to put in a, an application for a research project um, to do. And, my, and I was funded through one of those. Uh, grants, which I think many um, pediatric and endocrinologists in Canada would have had one of those. Um, and so that's really a nice option. It, it really allowed me to do that master's um, of education and, and just kind of figure out what I want my academic career. So outside, you know, you spend all this time learning the clinical stuff, and then you realize that that's only a piece of your job. Um, and so it was nice to have that third year uh, to really figure out what I wanted to do, what I want my career to look like, um, and to you know start meeting people um, who like-minded people who maybe aren't doing endocrinology but have other kind of education interests. So what does a typical day look like for you? So, you know, my days looked very different when I worked as a community peds endo and now as an academic pediatric endocrinologist. Um, and so maybe I'll tell you a little bit about both just um, to give you a bit of a flavor. So when I was a community peds endo, I got super lucky. I was able to get a position um, in Markham 
And I just did Pete's endo. I did three clinics a week there. Um, and then I would do, I think, I basically provided all the endo call, but I shared the diabetes call with two of my colleagues. So um, I didn't get called that that often, but I would get called, you know, on random days that I wasn't necessarily at the hospital. Um, and I, and that was definitely like a part-time job. It worked really nicely for me at that time in my life um, because my kids were really young and I had a third baby during that time. Uh, yeah, so that ended up being really nice. And, and my days were, you know, like seven hour days probably that I worked three days a week and then maybe did a few hours extra. There's a lot of work though. And if you wanna be a, a busy community piece endo, you can absolutely do that. And people certainly do. I think there's a bit of difference in the types of patients I was seeing. I'm seeing like a lot of um, growth patients, puberty patients, things that I could manage in the community. Um, if you're looking at some of the more rare things or perhaps um, disorders that require like multidisciplinary approach, um, and require like specialized imaging or specialized blood tests, maybe easier to do that um, in, a, in a children, like a tertiary care center. So I do have more complexity to patients that I follow. Now I work full-time and my uh, profile is 50% clinical. So I do three to four half-day clinics a week plus one in four call. Um, we don't typically admit patients under our service, but we could um, if we had, you know, a very straightforward endocrine patient. Um, we, you know, I don't know how many consults I would get in a week on call. I would probably get two to five consults where I'd see in person. Um, I get we get a lot more phone calls than that. We get a lot of calls asking for advice. So it can be relatively busy. Um, and, you know, you kind of think of your like half day clinics as being done at the end of the half day, but it, it never feels that way. There's a lot of blood work follow up um, and documentation. So I don't know how many hours a week I spend on clinical stuff. I'm sure every day that I do some clinical stuff, um, the idea is that 50% of my time is supposed to be doing other things, um, of which 30% is supposed to be education. I am the education lead for all endocrine learners who come through pediatric endocrinology. So that would be the adult fellows, um, the pediatric residents, sometimes we get other residents and uh, med students. So I includes kind of meeting with them and doing orientation, making sure they have all the stuff they need and um, arranging teaching and journal clubs and, and just kind of doing that piece. And then about a day a week, I'm, I am the pediatric competency-based medical education lead for the general pediatric program in London. And so I, I, I have a day dedicated for that. Um, and the kinds of things with that really are looking at the rollout. Um, we just launched in July, 2021. So, you know, a lot of it was kind of the logistical stuff, making sure everyone was up to date, that we're sharing information. Um, we have some great people building coaching programs. So helping to do that. 
Um, and then I have, you know, some research that I do. I would say it's not like the main part of, of what I do. I have a couple of great residents I'm working on, some projects with looking at screen time and some other diabetes projects um, and hoping to get a little bit more medical education research um, looking at kind of competency-based medical education and some social pediatric um, education stuff. So yeah, I, I, every day kind of looks a little bit different. Um, three days a week, I'm definitely in clinic. There may be a fourth day a week that I'm in clinic. Um, and then I have like lots of phone calls and blood work follow-up and things like that. So you wear a lot of different hats, it sounds like. Yeah, I think that a lot of physicians do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what type of, oh, sorry, go ahead, Jillian. Um, I was wondering, do you mainly work with like little ones or teenagers or kind of a mix of both? Yeah. So I, I think that's one of the things I really love about pediatric endocrinology is we see the whole spectrum. So we definitely have the chance to see lots of neonates with um, some of the newborn screens. So congenital hypothyroidism and CAH. Um, it wouldn't be uncommon to see it like a multiple pituitary hormone deficiency presenting in the neonatal period. But then we get to see all the way up to the adolescents being in, you know, diabetes clinic. And then I'm also super fortunate and I get to do a joint gynecology endocrinology clinic with one of the pediatric gynecologists, which is really one of my favorite things to do. Um, and so, you know, in that clinic, I see mostly uh, adolescents for things like primary amenorrhea and secondary amenorrhea and some, some puberty stuff. So we might see some younger girls there too, um, you know, age seven, eight, nine, um, presenting with, with early puberty. Um, yeah. And then of course, like all the stuff in between, that would be the common time to see growth. Uh, so that's one of the things I really love is that we get to see kids of all age groups. That's so interesting. And it's very interesting that you have that kind of additional clinic that you're working in with the gynecology consults. Yeah, I imagine that there's like lots of opportunity for that to do, you know, great things like that um, in many different places. I think that's one of the really nice things about being in an academic center is that I kind of, we have that option to really um, collaborate with, with others and make kind of new initiatives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what type of settings are you usually working in? So you said a little bit of clinic. Um... Yeah, you know, I don't know what percentage, but the vast majority of our clinical stuff is um, outpatient in clinics. I do some outreach clinics too. So I go to Sarnia. I previously went to Windsor. Um, you know, so sometimes the clinics are at different hospitals, but most of them are clinics. Since we have COVID, um, some of those did go to virtual. And I would say moving forward, I'm planning and doing three out of 12 clinics in a four week period virtually. Okay. Um, and I think they're really nice for following up blood work and, and just touching base. So, you know, there's that option too. And then the other times are kind of working on my own in my office or doing meetings, most of which are virtual now, um, those kinds of things. Nice. So how do you find the work-life balance of your career? Yeah, I feel like this is like a stigmatized topic at times. Um, but I very distinctly remember 
my very first day of pediatric residency or the first week. And we had a barbecue, a welcome barbecue. And I found myself talking to one of the endocrinologists and she said, I have a great work-life balance. And we're not supposed to talk about that, but I do. And I think that you really can in Pete's endo. Um, I think there's a lot of work. Um, and I mean, the work is never ending, but I'm married to an eMERGE physician and I could say that I sleep a lot better than he does. And, um, and a lot of my stuff is predictable. So even on weekends, if I'm on call, I can kind of say, okay, if I get consulted, this is my protected time that I'm going to go in and see them. And that helps me just kind of plan things in terms of my kids and activities. And I really love that predictability. I love that I can kind of have some flexibility with that. I love that I generally get to sleep. That's important to me. And I recognize other people do better without sleep than I do, but that was something very early on. I knew I needed. And now that I'm getting older, it, I'm really glad that I made that decision. So I, you know, I think that there's a lot of awesome things and I certainly wouldn't dissuade someone from following what they love, but I enjoy that my job allows me to do this. And what are some of the things that you like about your career? Yeah, I think I love the variability. I love that when I'm 60, my career's gonna look way different than it did when I was 35. Um, I love that my days do look different every day, that I don't ever have a day that is exactly like the other day. Um, for me, that's important. I love that I get to work with lots of people. You know, I remember in med school, someone saying, when you get more experienced, it's not gonna be about the medicine, but the people and the stories you hear. I think that's so true. Um, so I love that. And I love hormones. I love hormone loops. And I love that in endocrinology, we can make a difference. You know, um, I think some specialties, it's a lot harder to, to have an impact. And I think there's things we do that I'm not sure we always make a great difference, but insulin has saved lives, right? And we continue to see technology making great gains with diabetes. Um, and, and there's many areas within endocrinology that that's true, right? I mean, adrenal insufficiency is life-threatening and we can treat that and people can have great lives on on replacement therapy. And so I love that about my job. I love, I love that we can do that and help people and hopefully make a difference for them. And so what are some of the challenges you find in your career? Yeah, so this kind of maybe contradicts the, the work-life balance answer that I gave. Um, for me, the hardest part is just, I really like my job. I like all aspects of my job, but there's just too much of it. Um, and I think part of that is that I have three kids and I don't have the time and energy that I once did. And I think when my kids get older, I'll have more time and energy for that. So right now I don't have a lot of time to myself. I, and I think that's true for many working parents. Um, and so it's not one specific thing, but just that kind of that kind of piece. And I think, you know, there's more and more conversation about 
medicine and, and some of the traditions within medicine and even looking at academics. And I think at times there can be mm, pressure, um, you know, to publish quickly. And, and that can be difficult early in one's career. And I think when you have many competing interests, that can be difficult. Um, and, you know, my family is really important to me. So um, I don't want to sacrifice this limited time that I have with my kids, maybe not even time, but energy, right? If I'm staying up really late working and getting up really early and working, and I'm constantly tired, then I'm not really present with my kids when I actually am with them. And so I think for me, that's the biggest challenge. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to share with our audience? You know, this is a hard question. I think for me, the thing I have found most helpful and rewarding in my career um, actually has been the relationships often with mentors. So I would say seek out great mentors. Know that mentors can be different in for different things, right? You might have a mentor who helps you figure out if you like research or you like education, you have, might have someone totally different who does the clinical piece. Um, you know, for myself, when I was a med student, I did some medical education um, research with Dr. Laura Tyashin, and she is still my mentor today, many years later. And she's a geriatrician and I'm a pediatrician, but there's just, we have common interests and I really value her input. Um, and, and I value that relationship. And, and I have, you know, other people in Halifax who are endocrinologists who, you know, really got me thinking about endocrine and, and I still reach out to them and, and also people from my fellowship program. And so I think those relationships are really important. I think the other thing is to trust yourself and, you know, just because you made a decision to do one thing doesn't mean you have to stay on that path. You know, if you find yourself going down one path and you think I have to stick with this because it is just too hard to go the other way, I would really encourage you to challenge that thought process. And I know it's hard. I know that there are, that it's, challenging to get that residency position you want and to do what you want and there's so many different barriers and challenges once you find yourself there but I think those who really listen to themselves and recognize that we don't have to fit into this one mold of who we are supposed to be as physicians you know I think that they probably in the end um, have rewarding careers so I think that's two things I would consider when trying to decide what to do with one's life. Well, great. Thank you so much for joining us today. We learned a lot about pediatric endocrinology and we really appreciate your time, Dr. Enns. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. And thank you everyone for listening and please stay tuned for more episodes on different pediatric specialties.